Hello everyone and welcome to Brains and Bellies. We've had a short hiatus here because Beth and I were busy leading a cleanse, a spring cleanse for people. But here we are back and uh, we're happy to have you here listening. Brains and Bellies fuses together ancient Ayurvedic techniques with modern nutritional therapy methods in order to heal the body and mind. Using food as medicine as our mantra, we explore the body and mind and how they are connected and how the brain and belly inform one another on all matters of health. Beth English Myers, a nutritional therapist, and Carrie Jenkins, an Ayurvedic health counselor, will help you identify what patterns in your life may be making you feel unwell, be it diet, lifestyle, physical, or spiritual. Okay, so again, everyone, welcome. And today, Beth and I will be discussing the liver. The fabulous liver, which is deserving of so much love and is often, you know, the organ that, you know, the heart gets a lot of attention. We're always thinking of our skin. We can see how things present on our skin. We're breathing with our lungs. We are constantly detoxifying with our liver. And I think it's really important to uh, to give it love and to um, put it in the spotlight sometimes. Totally. And I feel like the liver is forgotten partially because people are even confused on where it is in the body. So just a reminder, everyone, it's located just on the right side of the torso, just under your rib cage. And it is connected, pressing up against the diaphragm, which is kind of in the center of the two rib cages. So every time you breathe, you're literally touching the liver. Your diaphragm is touching your liver. So even now while you're listening, why not just put your fingers exactly as Carrie was saying and just give a little pat to your liver. Give it some love. Oh, my liver needs love. It always <laughs> needs love. And the other thing I find that people are sometimes very afraid of their liver. It's it's a confusing, fearful organ for people. Yep. So I think what we want to do is really just highlight the uh, incredibly loving, incredibly hardworking aspects of the liver and how how it really is. I always say it's the hardest working organ in show business. Um, all of our organs are working hard. We said before the heart, the lungs, the skin, brains, uh, our kidneys, all of our amazing organs, but really just want to put the big bright spotlight on the liver. So hardworking and so underappreciated at times. And also I always talk about the liver as it reminds me of the Shel Silverstein story, the giving tree, how it's like always giving and forgiving and giving more. And if you've read that story, well, I won't spoil it if you haven't, but in in our bodies, actually the liver, if we were to give it some love back, if we give it a break, if we help it to heal itself, then it will it will regenerate to an extent. It will really give us so much more than, than we give it when we give it a chance to heal and rest and restore. Yes, and actually the liver, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Beth, is known as the one organ in our body that can completely regenerate itself, um, unlike any other organ that we have. I don't think entirely, but it can to a large extent, yes. So another reason to love it, not fear it, and give it a little little extra attention every day if you can. And we'll talk about some of the dietary and lifestyle. But Carrie, I have to say, I really do love how with yoga, 
there are certain poses you can do to encourage liver detoxification and always yes. do yeah you can speak to that but even just doing certain twists can be so beneficial and helpful to that liver absolutely there's definitely targeted postures that can be helpful and actually just what i had, had mentioned earlier that the breath even just breath work pranayama actually does a lot more than what you maybe ever imagined because every time you breathe your diaphragm is pulling breath in and it's moving down. It's moving down in the body and it's touching the liver. So it's actually activating the liver slightly every time you breathe because that muscle is pushing up against the liver. Amazing. Um, and I, I love that because all of us breathe, right? Yeah. <laughs> we do that every day. And, and there's so many great breathing apps out there, breathing exercises, breathing teachers, classes, um, that just doing a very simple five to 10 minute series of breath work a day can really help help your liver. Yes, for sure. And also, Carrie, I did, now that we've come to the end of our 21-day cleanse, I did want to just use that as a framework for how we use that cleanse as an opportunity to really support our liver. Yes, we do. And you know, Beth, that maybe this is something we can start talking about now because I'd love to have the listeners have your point of view, both of our points of view on this. I feel like in our modern world here, there's so many different cleanses that are offered out there. Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of liver cleansing and there's so many things that I find when I when I look at protocol to be very harsh and again Beth and I, I think come from the same point of view here loving our liver is something that we really want to do supporting it not not harshing out on it and and scrubbing it clean <laughs> and no, like leaving it hang out to dry we want to we want to do actions both lifestyle and dietary that are going to be helpful and supportive to help it do what it already does naturally. There's no need to do really specific and strenuous cleansing for the liver because it just doesn't need that. And actually, I think many times that's more harmful than helpful. I fully agree. I think that for regular maintenance, it's, I mean, of course, if there was a medical intervention or a real cause for concern, that's going to be different. Uh, just like you're saying, Carrie, I agree. I don't like anything aggressive. Also, quick fixes. You know, we always talk about there's no magic bullet. It's really about gradual lifestyle changes that will support. And that's how you get the best result as well. And, you know, again, our, our 21 day cleanse was really a microcosm for that because we had three weeks. We used the first week to get people acclimated, start adjusting, making some easy removals. And then we went more deeply into our cleansing the second week. And then our third week, we started to re-acclimatize to real life and real schedules and uh, with, the, with, with fresh eyes and a fresh approach. And for us, I mean, I think, Carrie, like what we what we do, what we're about, things are not overly complicated. It's really, you know, we can talk at length about how we support our liver, but it's also... And we have so many wonderful nutrition suggestions, lifestyle, etc. But it's also what we're not going to give to the liver uh, on a regular basis. So giving it too much of things that the liver is going to have to work really hard to to process. And this could be too much sugar, processed foods, unnecessary medications. You know, so we always, you know, of course, if there's a need for medication, but having water or focusing on hydration, getting some rest instead of automatically reaching for an Advil or a paracetamol, aspirin, etc. Drugs, of course, alcohol, too much caffeine, all of these things will put extra stress on the liver. 
Yeah. And even going back to some of the cleanses that are out there, even supplements and certain herbs overdoing it, you know, you're, if you're taking 20 different supplements a day and stirring, you know, five to eight different herbs into water and drinking it every day, that's, that's sometimes not going to be the best for your liver. Cause it's just, it has to work really hard. It needs a break, which is what I love about our cleanse too, because we really encourage people to take a step away from some of those things that they're doing regularly, whether it is alcohol or even, you know, supplementation that they're taking regularly um, just to give the whole body a break, but specifically the liver. Definitely. And I know, you know, I always talk about food first and then supplementing for a specific reason for a specific amount of time. And I agree with you. Like there, there are so many, so many commercial liver cleanse products or herbs, etc. But really, you know, there's so many amazing uh, liver-loving foods, we can go through them in a moment, but so many great, uh, really easy ways to support the liver. And again, always yeah. remember, not doing harm, removing things that give the liver extra work to do. Yeah, and I like to look at it also from a perspective of just what is the easiest and even the most affordable. Sometimes the best thing to do is to just stop doing something that you're doing that's harming you rather than adding something in that may potentially be helpful because that adding, it requires a lot of attention and a little bit more energy and time on your part. Whereas if you're taking something away, it's kind of a (laughs) win-win. You're giving yourself a little extra time, a little extra support. Yeah. Um, I was going to say, and also within, you know, the, the parameters of our cleanse, we give people the confidence you can take these things away. You're only doing it temporarily. And quite often, once you come back up after the three weeks, you have a different relationship with those things that you were just taking all the time. So that's why yeah. I think it's great. I don't think you need to do drastic cleanses throughout the year. I think, you know, you and I do them seasonally. Uh, and that's a great way to give the organs a break, but we, we can incorporate these things all year long. Absolutely. And, and also just remembering that, that phrase that we use a lot that, you know, nature is intelligent, our bodies are intelligent, our liver is intelligent, our liver knows what its job is, it wants to do its job. That's its only purpose is to do its job. So to give it support to do it rather than to penalize it for not doing a good job, I think is a really good point of view to have when it comes to the liver. Absolutely. I think that's also where mindfulness and just pausing before having a meal, like, but just really just that little focus on how, how we're, how we're supporting ourselves, how we're going to optimize um, how we feel. Talking about emotions is interesting because from the Ayurvedic perspective, the liver, which is actually called Yakrut in, in Sanskrit, and it means circulation action. So that's exactly what the liver is doing. It's circulating a lot of things and it's actively transforming and assimilating a lot of different processes in the body. But back to emotions, the liver is considered deeply connected to pitta. So remember pitta dosha, everyone, we've talked about this a lot, got the vata, pitta and kapha. Pitta being the fire and water element and pitta dosha is actually the dosha that is in charge of all transformation and assimilation in the body. So anything that is being transformed or assimilated, you can guarantee Pitta is involved there. So with that said, Pitta is considered very connected to the liver, vice versa. And within Pitta, there's actually five sub-doshas. 
And I'm not going to get into all the details of that because I don't want to burst anyone's mind here, but there's one of the sub doshas that is specifically, specifically connected to the liver and that's Ranjika Pitta. So that's one of the sub doshas and then Ranjika Pitta is known for giving color to our, our system, color to our body. So specifically yellow, green, and red are, are connected to the Ranjika. Ranjika is a subdosha of Pitta, but it's got its home in the liver. It actually lives in the liver. Um, so you can imagine it as, I don't know, a little, a little happy elf that likes colors and colors things, you know, yellow, green, and, and red. But in, in any case, the liver is one of the main sites of Pitta, along with the gallbladder and the stomach and the small intestine. Those are also connected to, to pitta, but liver is very connected. And interestingly enough, when we think of people in terms of emotions that have high pitta or imbalanced pitta, we're going to see anger, we're going to see frustration, we're going to see a lot of heated emotions. So when you think of that, and then you remember that pitta is connected to the liver, guess what? All of those emotions really tax the liver. They make the liver work overtime. So what Beth was saying about taking that moment, like before eating, to notice where you are, notice emotionally what's going on. It's really important. Along with food, emotions are a, a very important aspect of helping the liver, helping to support the liver. I love that. Also, that was so cool, Carrie, hearing you describe the liver as such in the Ayurvedic lens. I find that so cool because in nutrition, we're always talking about the liver in terms of phases. And the first phase of liver processing, um, phase one, is very reactive and very intense and very, I'm thinking red and orange, like fiery colors. And so we, you know, so, so we'll focus on, on food choices that can support phase one liver detoxification, kind of uh, help manage that intense fire that's happening there, so to speak, metaphorically. And then our phase two liver detoxification process is, a, is more manageable, a bit more focused, a bit more calm, but still steady, steady working hard. And we've got certain nutrients that are really supportive of that phase two. I always think of phase one. I was trying to think of some good analogies. You know, it's almost like if you are bring, if you have cats, let's say you've got two cats and you're trying to get them to the vet and they're just all over the place. Like that reminds me of phase one. You're trying to get cats into those little carry cases and they do not want to get in there. It's like, it's like there's that fury, <laughs> that chaos trying to get these cats in the carry cases and it's so chaotic. And then once you get them in the, in the, cases and you're bringing them to the vet and then a lot can happen in the car or whatever on the way to the vet but you're it's contained it's more concerted uh, in that second phase and then um, our third phase of liver detoxification is that elimination so distributing what what's hap what's been processed out um, to be excreted interesting that's an interesting way of looking at it the three different phases Another aspect of the, the Ayurvedic point of view with the liver is apart from this whole subdosha that I was referring to, there's also these systems, these channel systems that we have in our body um, in Ayurveda, which we haven't talked too much about on our podcast, but one of these channel systems is called the Rakta Vahasrotas. I know that's a mouthful. I don't. I won't give anyone a quiz on what, what it's called, I promise. But rakta refers to blood. So liver is also very connected to the blood and the system. And, and for any of you that have been following us know that um, I often talk about pitta and blood because often we will see pitta 
imbalances in the blood that come out in different different ways, which I won't get into specifically right now, but back to the, the channel system and this Rakta Vahasrotis or this blood system. In Ayurveda, there's always a place where, where these systems begin. There's a root and an opening or a mouth beginning and an opening because all of them are connected to one another in any event guess where the root is of the rakta vahasrotas does it start with an l the liver gold star for you (laughs) (laughs) you know keeping that in mind is really helpful because again it just points to what the liver is really doing right it's connected to the blood, it's filtering the blood, it's helping to keep our blood system pure. And again, it goes back to the whole circulation and that and that Sanskrit word that they use to describe the liver, which is yakrut, which is circulation, right? Circulating the blood, moving the blood, taking blood in, taking nutrients in, transforming it, and then moving it out for the system, for the body, for all the benefit of many different organs and systems in our body. But specifically liver working with the spleen and working together to take one of the very first tissues that we talk about in in Ayurveda is called rasa datu. Datu just means tissue. And rasa would be kind of like similar to the plasma. We would Mm -hmm. talk about it in Western point of view. And all the other datus, all the other tissues of the body are formed from that rasa datu. So that rasa datu is very, very important. And the liver, along with the spleen, helps to take that rasa and transform it into blood right? So it actually filters things, takes what it doesn't need out, and then gives it color. And it blood is then, or rakta, which is the blood, is sent away. It filters the red blood cells, and the liver either destroys or holds on to the bad part. Another reason we want our liver to be loved, because it's actually really helping us. It's hanging on to some of our, our gross bad parts of our blood that aren't doing anything for us. Right. Um, and storing it for us. Yeah. And then separating, separating out the hemoglobin and utilizing that hemoglobin and producing things like the bile salt, which then the gallbladder is holding on to, right? And it's breaking down fatty acids. It's producing those enzymes and the pigments again, colors, right? Yeah, for sure. I love all that. I think, um, you know, just, I can't believe it's been this long. We've gone this far in the conversation without, I really want to name some specific uh, foods, specific nutrients. I mean, just thinking about the colors, we talk about that rainbow of vegetables and fruits for a reason, because we're getting so many inflammatory, anti-inflammatory effects that are really going to support liver processing, liver detoxification uh, with lemons and courgette or zucchini, broccoli, these amazing vegetables and fruits are going to be so helpful to the liver's detoxification, but also like one of our favorite things that Carrie and I will talk about all day long. Um, our amazing spices, our amazing anti-inflammatory spices like turmeric and ginger and coriander. All those amazing um, spices are really anti-inflammatory and help to support detoxification in the liver. And not least of all, uh, water as well, just good, fresh water. Beth, I love that you brought up the ginger and the turmeric and the cilantro because those are three of my all-time favorite (laughs) special spices is to add to pretty much everything except for cake. <laughs> um, Although, I'm sure we could, 
think of something cool. Yes. Um, but in terms of, of food and those tastes, as you were listing those things, you know, I was I was going through my my Ayurvedic mind going, oh, what taste is that? Because as we've talked about before, there are six tastes in Ayurveda and they're all very important. It's very important to have all of those six tastes. So those being sweet, sour, salty, pungent, bitter, and astringent. And interestingly enough, the liver has something called, well, we, I think we're all familiar with the word Agni, right? The fire, yep. and, and that's our digestive fire, but we have all these little tiny Agnis all over the body and each, each organ that we have has, has its own Agni. So the liver has something called the Buta Agnis, and those are five specific Agnis that are elemental Agnis. And those are related to those tastes that I just talked about, right? Those elements, I should say. So the five elements being fire, water, air, ether, and earth. Mm -hmm. So those five elements exist in the six tastes, within the six tastes. They also exist within the doshas, right? I said earlier in our episode that pitta is part of fire and water, right? Yes. So if we think about the six tastes, which foods would have like the sweet taste, for instance? In, in Ayurveda, I know some of us might think, well, sugar, cookies, things like that. Yes, that is true. Absolutely. But also things like basmati rice, carbohydrates, yeah. those are considered. Yes. Yeah, for sure. Right. And also uh, sour is like kimchi, uh, lemon, as you described earlier, Beth. Salty could be something like seafood. It has a salty flavor to it. Mm -hmm. um, these are the healthful foods that we're hoping that everyone's eating all the time. So my point with talking about this is that we want to eat as many of those six tastes as possible in each meal. And we want to recognize if we have too much of one of these elements in our diet. Do we have too much of the sweet taste? And if, if we do, this is going to be difficult for the liver to deal with. It's taxing on the liver to have too much sweet taste. The liver needs all five of those buta agnis going at all times right and if yeah. one fire is burning too high or burning too low then it makes things um more challenging for the liver so it's just kind of another way to describe things and another way to look at things that is sometimes helpful for people is to think of their food or whatever you're taking into your body in terms of food and drink as a certain taste Mm -hmm. And let's use the thing that we all can talk about and also point to in terms of not being so great for the liver, and that's alcohol. So alcohol would be considered a sour taste in Ayurveda. And too much sour will not be good. You know, the sour taste, too much of it creates a little, it's, it makes things a little hot, right? Yes. Emotionally, you could get a little hot. Physically, you could feel warm. Maybe you're a little angry. Imagine that kind of too much heat, too big of a flame of that sour taste in the in the liver. And what can we do to counterbalance that? Well, we can add a little bit more sweet. We can add a little bit more bitter. Mm -hmm. Bitter taste for the liver is wonderful. It's one of the best things we can do to help support our liver because it's very cleansing and cooling, very cooling, the bitter flavor. And not just things like dandelion greens, but you know, aloe vera is very, very bitter and cooling. We've got lots of different things that have that bitter taste in that um, can be super helpful. Uh, we've got also um, over here, we call it rocket, arugula. Yes. Uh, Andive, chicory. And you get what an amazing salad, like an amazing bitter 
bitter greens, bitter uh, vegetable salad. Yes. Um, even things like the cruciferous vegetables. For sure. For sure. And and also just, I just wanted to relate this back to our cleanse because, you know, Carrie, one thing I really learned from you that I love is this whole idea of the CCFT. Mm. So the, the cumin, fennel, and coriander. Is it coriander? Those three? Yes. That's traditionally, but you know, there are people out there that don't like cumin so much. And I always suggest that they change it up and put cardamom, which is cardamom. Okay. Lovely. So that tea just like knocked my socks off because I did use my coffee grinder to blend the, the uh, spices. And so it was nice and fresh. And I have a little teapot with a strainer. But truly, if anyone's you know, listening, interested, give that, that, that tea a try and send us a an email for the recipe, we'll send it over to you. It is such an invigorating, amazing tea to drink throughout the day and so cleansing. Yeah, and also super easy to make, right? But uh, bath oh doesn't take yeah. a lot of effort and it's very affordable too. It's not it's not anything that's gonna break the bank or that you have to go to a specialty store to find. You just buy those spices and you can make it yourself. And if you don't have a coffee grinder, you can use a portal, a porter and mestel. How do you say it? <laughs> porter and mestel. <laughs> that too. <laughs> Yes. yes, mortar and pestle. And yeah, also, yeah. you can also just roast the, the spices if they're mm -hmm. whole, and you can actually boil them in water and then just strain them out of the water and you've got your tea. I, that's how I often do it. I actually okay. just boil the, the full seed mm -hmm. and um, after I've roasted it, and you don't even have to roast it, I guess. You could just boil it, but I like the flavor of it better roasted. And then it just sits on my on my stove all day long and I sip it throughout the day. If I feel like having it a little bit warmer, I'll add hot water. If I feel like mm -hmm. having it more room temperature, I'll keep it as is. It gets a little bit stronger the longer it sits. Um, so you can Amazing. always dilute it with a little water. It's very, very easy. It's a great tea. We love it. And also just teas like ginger, just fresh root ginger in hot water with some lemon. Just so cleansing and energizing and so detoxifying to the liver. Yes, that's great. right. And so Beth, at our cleanse, you had some really great recipes, a couple soup recipes that were super supportive of the liver, like your special broccoli soup. Brock rock. Yeah. Back to the colors, the colored uh, smoothies and, and drinks. Oh yeah. Thank you. Yeah. That we're, we're trying, we're doing rainbows. We had, a, we have a lovely red uh, smoothie, red juice, red, green smoothie, green juice. So excited about that broccoli soup because it's just a dream for our liver. So many cruciferous vegetables and wonderful nutrients and really satisfying as well. Really talking about that broccoli soup, Beth, let's talk a little bit about how the hormones are, are at play with liver yes. detoxification and what, what the liver does to help keep our hormones in, in good shape. Yeah, so we really, our liver is just the detoxification organ for helping us. Remember with, with hormones, when we no longer need them, we want to eliminate them. We don't want them recycling I'm in our body, you know, so like for us women in particular, estrogen, we, we don't want it when we're done with it. We want it eliminated and we could talk about this process for many podcasts, but to keep things simple, cruciferous vegetables, broccoli, they are really, really good at helping the liver to detoxify hormones that we are no, are no longer needed. Yeah. And I also like to look at the hormones and the liver connection in terms of things that we can be low on. So Beth and I talk a lot about the cycle and kind of signs that we may feel or see in our monthly cycle that can clue us into kind of imbalances that we're having. And as we move into perimenopause and menopause, many of us 
may be experiencing, as Beth just described, high estrogen, too much estrogen, but we may actually also have an imbalance of estrogen and progesterone, so low progesterone, which makes the estrogen feel higher than it actually is. Yes. And the interesting thing about the liver is that the liver helps transform cholesterol into testosterone and progesterone. So if those hormones are low, chances are our liver needs a little bit more support. It needs some help. So Mm -hmm. we need to give it a little more TLC. Definitely. And my first thought for that is always broccoli. Yes. So that's broccoli soup. There you go. Definitely. Now you'll have to join the cleanse to get the recipe. We don't we don't share it (laughs) freely. (laughs) Oh my goodness, I love that recipe so much. Uh, That's a great one. And then also, what always knocks my socks off when we do this, Carrie, is the kitchery. Yeah, the kitchery is just so balanced in every way. It's so great. I mean, I guess this is a different episode if we talk about the kind of microbiome and the gut brain connection. But it's just such a wonderful food across the board. I I agree. Yeah. And what I love about it is that the night before, just taking some of, uh, I would use the mung beans and the basmati rice, just, you know, half a cup each and then soaking them in water, leaving that out overnight. Then the next morning, rinsing it. Carrie has this wonderful recipe. It's using ghee, using some very accessible spices that are easy to to find. Just making this dish. It's, It's not difficult. It's very simple. Does, it requires some time, but once you do it, you know, once or twice, you get the hang of it and it's very relaxing and very therapeutic. And I love, I love that process of soaking it the night before and then in the morning, kind of tending to it a bit. And, you know, I just have it kind of cooking in the background while I'm doing other things in the kitchen. You, know, you do have to put a little time in in the morning to do that, but then you've got this amazing meal throughout the day. And you can add to it. Like I loved adding zucchini to mine. I loved adding, we had some purple sprouting broccoli at the shop. I loved adding that. I loved adding seeds as well. Pumpkin seeds, sunflower seeds. It's just so satisfying and so much love for the liver and such a great, easy meal for your whole digestive tract. Yes. And just simple because it doesn't take a lot of uh, thought. And the, the other thing about that, I know you talked about the soaking. That, well, the point of the cleanse is that we're trying to imbue as much energy, prana into our, our body as possible via diet, via lifestyle techniques, everything we're doing, we're really trying to increase the prana to balance the prana. And that's interesting in terms of the liver, because one of the ideas that we have in Ayurveda and also probably in Chinese medicine is that crying, so now we go back to the emotions again, softens the liver prana or the liver chi. Um, So again, another way of just balancing energy from a simple activity. Now I'm not saying that all of us should go out and just cry for no reason, but just remember on those moments where you are feeling upset and down or perhaps, you know, sad about something and, and you're very teary, it's it's good. It's doing good things inside of you and it's definitely get helping uh, the liver out a little bit. Detoxifying. Detoxifying. And Carrie, like, w- would you agree with me? Like, you know, when the world is just too much and we're overwhelmed, we have repetitive thoughts or stresses, I would take those all things that need to be detoxified. So, you know, mental, spiritual things that need to be processed. And uh, of course, the brain's involved, all sorts of things. But if we can also just keep that in mind as in the spirit of detoxification, going for that nice walk, 
getting that deep breathing in and metaphorically helping to detoxify and process doing some of those lovely yoga moves taking a break from things that are not helpful to the liver that we might reach for if we're stressed you know alcohol caffeine processed food sugar giving it love and support versus more work to do absolutely and again that goes back to that whole digestion and assimilation of the pitta dosha right so pitta is always involved with digestion and assimilation whether it's mental physical digestive and doing things that are going to create more pitta or imbalanced pitta are not going to be very helpful one of those going back to the alcohol again which is what a lot of people turn to when things are really rough they're feeling really stressed repetitive thoughts and just knowing that that's not going to be really that helpful for any type of digestion and assimilation. Actually, really important, I wanted to add to that, Carrie, thank you um, for reminding me, is that it's not just alcohol, it can be sugar. Remember, if someone's stressed out, they may go, alcohol can make you feel better quickly. Sugar can be very soothing. When it's alcohol, the body, it is a toxin. So the, the liver is going to have to stop whatever other work it's doing and prioritize the detoxification of that alcohol. So again, that's why it's really, really important to take breaks from alcohol, not having it in moderation, because the more we have, the less uh, attention is given to other things that the liver needs to be working on. Also, and I really am curious, Carrie, I'm interested in the Ayurvedic comparison, but if you think about it, you know, when someone has liver disease and they're, if they're having way too much alcohol, they're going to have scarring of the liver. If somebody's consuming too much sugar, they're going to have additional layers of, of fat on their liver because the sugar is getting converted to fat. So you have this buildup and it's the non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. So again, alcohol, sugar, giving the, giving the liver too much, not letting it have that chance to process and digest. You know, energetically, I think that, that says so much. And both those elements being things that it's quite, we, we, we see it quite often, people going to either of those for for comfort. And again, I think so much of what we're about is we want to get people more in tuned, um, have different choices, creating different habits, not doing the quick fixes, the, the quick liver cleanse, really taking things more on board and doing gradual lifestyle changes. Yes, that is absolutely true. Beth, are there any uh, great supplements that you look to to help support the liver? Yes, there are supplements, but again, I always go food first. So the first thing I would think of is water, lemons, um, again, the broccoli, again, everything we've discussed about not having things that are going to conflict with the uh, liver's energetic output. But then for supplements, you know, there there's milk thistle, there's glutathione, which is an antioxidant, or NAC, which is a precursor to it. Uh, so supplements can be really, really helpful. But again, I'm really, I'm really a big fan of the food first, just getting those, those great uh, liver supporting nutrients. Again, the lemon, the broccoli, the cruciferous vegetables, the spices, uh, making sure our diet has lots of fiber to encourage that elimination we get to phase three. Yeah. And I would agree with you on that, that food first, although I, w I would also, apart from just specific foods, uh, remind everyone that just anything you can do to keep your pitta dosha happy and balanced will be helpful for the liver. So that means in the summertime, eating a diet that is pitta friendly. And if you are a person that has high pitta constitution, um, you're probably going to want to do that all year round. So that means staying away from fermented foods, being careful with salty and sour foods, um, but enjoying juicy, bitter and astringent and 
and even sweet flavor. That doesn't mean cake every day. <laughs> you know, some of the carbohydrates like the basmati rice and things like that can be um, also really good. Along with that, trying not to skip meals because, you know, skipping meals really creates imbalanced pitta as well. People get hangry. If you're a person that has a high pitta constitution and you're a hangry person, you're not doing your liver any favors by skipping the meal. We touched on this, but avoiding avoiding things that are overheating your emotions too. avoiding anger. I'm not saying that if you're angry that you shouldn't let it out. Absolutely let it out. But then see if you can, after you've had an argument or some kind of heated emotion, see if you can do something for yourself that helps to calm that a little bit. So go for a walk in nature, have a cup of tea, call a friend, watch a movie that makes you laugh do something loving, hug your loved one. So do something that's going to kind of calm down that heat a little bit after you've had some kind of emotional overheating experience. Love how you were saying, Carrie, about not skipping meals. But on the on the back of that, keeping distance between meals. So making sure that you have a good, ideally three or four hours between meals so that your liver can work on this detoxification process um, so your digestive system can rest and digest, clean house, do all that internal housekeeping. So again, avoiding that grazing, that stress eating, that snacky snacky. So again, just really connecting, connecting to this is the meal I'm having, this is what I'm doing, keeping check on how we're feeling and why we're doing what we're doing. Great point. That's such a good point, Beth. I guess I want to end and just give a couple of my favorite Ayurvedic herbs that I look to for liver health. And that is number one I mentioned already, aloe vera, which is super cooling, super bitter, really lovely. And we didn't get into this too much, but really helpful for the skin. Aloe vera is wonderful. Um, neem is also a wonderful Ayurvedic herb <laughs> that is super useful uh, for liver. It's very cooling, one of the coolest of the herbs. And I also love turmeric and then um, amalaki, which those are, those are some of my favorites, but there are many, there are many. And again, as Beth said earlier, I always look to food first, but these things can be helpful. Well, I've got to try amalaki just based on the name. That's so cute. <laughs> oh, and there's a there's a there's a amalaki or amla. It's it's called, and then there's also bumi amalaki. <laughs> well, later another one. To fill me in. That's adorable. <laughs> Love your liver. As you can tell, we're massive fans. Thanks for joining us, everyone. And just a reminder that none of the advice we've given today on this Brains and Bellies podcast is meant to diagnose or treat any of your health problems. So please do seek the advice of your doctor for any specific health issue and join us next time for Brains and Bellies.